They came back and oh. gloried at Marling's Tavern. But I, you know, I love stories of old New York. Excuse me. Can I quit this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I told Eddie Murphy to stay in college so he'd have something to fall back on. <laughs> I did great advice. <laughs> Jackie, how about the lighter side of history? The lighter oh, side... I got laughing at my show! Okay. I know a lot of things and I share them on the podcast and you don't care. What are we talking about? We're... I can't get a word in edgewise <laughs> on, on this show. I mean, it's... Here's how we sell it. Okay. The wonderful comedian Robert Klein, an inspiration to me without a doubt, used to say uh, when he was growing up they had these uh, nuclear bomb drills, these fallout drills, and they would uh, turn on all the sirens and everybody would take cover at school and at work. And, and then he said, and they'd also turn the siren on at noon, and he, and he said, I think the Russians are going to figure out we should bomb them at noon. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, 12 o'clock, they'll think it's lunchtime. Which is brilliant. This is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, we literally went out in the hall and put our heads between our legs. Like, yes. Literally. Like, yes, and like of course, joke, that's know? not going to do anything in a nuclear attack. Uh, but sure. Uh, again, young people never had that. They had fire drills, but we had to sit in the hall, put our heads. All you're going to do when you put your head down there is kiss your ass goodbye. Because, I was just going to say because that was the, the, it's not going to protect you in a nuclear attack. But it, it gives you some sort of reassurance that maybe you're doing the right thing. Right. But you know, like you're doing something which, which you're not. You and they know. had a song, Duck and yeah, Cover. As, opo duck as opposed and to cover. sit there and die. Yeah, know. Duck and Cover was a song that they played for us, and, and a turtle sang it. And, and a nuclear bomb is, you can't duck and cover out of the way of a nuclear bomb, but it was a way of dealing with a new reality. The concept, right. And I'll tell you something. Um, there is no coincidence that after the invention, after actually the Russians got the nuclear bomb in 1949, Americans are afraid, they're looking up at the sky more, and the number of reported UFOs go, goes up and up and up and up and up, and that's not a coincidence. More Americans are looking at the sky, they're thinking about the sky, strange things in the sky, and there is it's a It's not that there's more things in the sky, just the more people are looking. More looking, more people are looking and more people are worried. Um, there are UFO sightings in the past, even centuries ago, but they were described differently. And people in the 50s are just looking. That's why there's so many movies. And, and radiation, they didn't even know about radiation until the early 50s. And as soon as we know about something, and it's exciting, all of these monster movies come out. Uh, how do you explain Godzilla? Radiation. Oh, OK. Right, right. It's a, <coughs> it's a catch all. Just it's like when electricity came in, how do you explain Frankenstein? Electricity. You know, every generation has their. How do you explain the matrix? Computers. Oh, okay. Every right. generation has their new thing that they get into and mystify it. It's, uh, I love it. Again. I love it. But you, when you talk about old New York and history, you got me. You got me. And, and Old Martling's Tavern was where they started to form alliances and, and how am I, what's in it for me? Uh, and it's a great, it's a great part you of it. You know, history. anything you read about Martling's Tavern, they never fail to, to expound on 
how drunk everybody was and how crazy the place was. You know, they, they were trying to get things done, but, you know, they were, they, they were, what did they call them? Drunks. It, it, was, <laughs> they call like, them. it was like a, a, the dirty place or something like that. Well, I got to tell you, America is a hard-drinking country, but today, nothing like the past. Nobody at Martling's Tavern had a spritzer, okay, spritzer. They, they didn't. No, they were just like... Nobody had a Zima. It was hard whiskey. Hard whiskey. And, and, um, and tons of it. And men, especially women, not, there were no women in Martling's Tavern. It would have been unthinkable. And the temperance movement, which you begin to see in the 1830s, was driven by women who were seeing their husbands and their fathers and their brothers really suffering from the effects of alcohol. Being drunk, yep. wrecking the family, blah, 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 blah. And the, the prohibition came about after women got the vote. Because the minute the women got the vote, all right, we got the vote. We're closing down the booze because we, we're nice to see oh, our yes. husbands once in a while. Ah, uh, yes. And the men came back from World War I and said, what? You did what? You, 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 you did what? <laughs> what a failure prohibition was, an exercise in national hypocrisy. But times, times were so different. Now, imagine this. Say um, uh, you're a beautiful woman at a White House reception, and I'm a man talking to you. So I think that we're going to be... Uh, Discussing this with President Jackson, and uh, I think we're going to move forward with the Indi Indian uh, removal policy. And I think that's going to be a successful. And the woman would think nothing of that. That would be nothing. That was normal. In, in the White House, they had spittoons all over the room, certainly each corner. And around the spittoon were brown spots, because the guys didn't care if they hit They, they missed all the time. I mean, I think a woman today, on a first date, if the guy was chewing tobacco, I, I don't think there would be even a finished first date, yeah, let alone a second. Even if a guy clears his throat. I mean, you kind of, I mean, it was a different, I mean, just chewing tobacco, the, every president had a big, you, you know. You know, we all, I, I'm sure you did, you were probably the guy, we all had friends in college who had the odd facts and the things that, you know, there were always weird <laughs> things. I remember way be, in the beginning when people's, we're really digging into pot in the mid-60s. People always say, when did you start smoking pot? But back then it was, where were you in 1967? Yeah. I didn't smoke pot until I was a sophomore in college because, you know, you're drinking beer and you're having fun. Who needs it? But the, this, my friend Russ Nyland would always have these crazy facts. <clears throat> and I distinctly remember him saying, there were no bathrooms in the Palace of Versailles and the guys would just walk behind the velvet curtains and go to the squat down and go to the bathroom like and like it's, oh, I love it I love it this and, is how I'm like this shut is shut up Russ you're so out of your mind and it turns out that he's pretty much on the money which is crazy well yeah. I got to tell you Jackie you ask people how did the king of England in 1800 go to the bathroom how did a super rich person in New York City in 1800 go to the bathroom and people say well they went behind they went to uh, Actually, wealthy people had something called a chamber pot, and of course it had an airtight lid, and it went under your bed. And if you had to do number one and number two, you used your chamber pot, and if you were rich or even middle class and could afford a servant, you didn't have to think twice about it, because it was the servant's job to empty it. Now, if you were poor, and really poor people, especially down south that lived in a shack with no floor, uh, 
They couldn't afford a chamber pot, Jackie. They had to go out into the woods and have the chipmunks laugh at them. Right. All right? So they were so poor, they lived in a shack with no floor, dirt poor, and without a pot to piss in. That's where that expression comes from. You are dirt poor without a pot to piss in. And literally, back in those days, they were, because they didn't even have a pot to piss in, and they didn't have a floor. Red Fox used to say, the difference between a rich girl and a poor girl is a rich girl has a canopy over her bed, and a poor girl has a canopy under her bed. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you know what became a fad back then? Um, rich people would have their enemies face painted on the bottom of the chamber pot so they could go on their enemy's face. We, I mean, well, you have money. Sometimes during a political campaign, <laughs> you know, you'll see somebody's picture in the, on, on a piece of plastic that they put in the urine, which is the same idea. I love it. You know? I, lo I just love it. Now, when That's my parents' house was built in 1900 or 1910, there was no bathroom. You know, there was no wow. plumbing in East Norwich for till what, you know, there was no, no electricity till say 1918, whatever. You and know. they finally fixed that in 2004, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's a picture of my, my parents' house from 1910. And in the back, you can kind of see a, a little white building. And at whatever point my father built a little shed to put stuff in and for the kids to play in. And I'm like, you know what? He built where the outhouse was. He recreated the outhouse from his childhood. I, of course, you never get to ask him or never think about it because you don't make the connection that if there wasn't a bathroom, of course they had an outhouse, you know. Uh, but, but then you just, you yeah, know. an outhouse. You, 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 that's what you needed. Um, and of course, you and I both remember our parents, and certainly our grandparents, using the term icebox. Nobody says, they, if somebody I says icebox. I still box, use it, and so does my cousin Lenny, okay. because my father never stopped saying it. To me, I, and people always yell at me for being melodramatic, <laughs> my ex-wife, my girlfriend. To me, the word refrigerator is still a new term. Not because I didn't always have a refrigerator, but my father referred to it, it's in the icebox. It's in, in the, ice the box. icebox. It's in the icebox. And when me or Lenny say it, people like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, people really look at you sideways when you use the term icebox. Which is, which is, I think, just so fun, you know. But th back in those days, people didn't go shopping for a week. You had to go virtually every day. There's no supermarket. You had to go to one place for the meat, another place for the vegetables, another place for the fruit. A, another a new place expression for the in my family, was barbecue. Barbecue. And my father would say, you want to have a cookout? And we'd have, he'd get some sticks and make a fire because, you know, the, then all of a sudden they had this thing called charcoal. I remember when, when I was a little kid, my mother had one of those things. And you got, you put the meat in, and then all of a sudden they're selling these little packages with hamburger meat that's already ground up. And I remember that transition, which is, <laughs> which is when, 1951, 52, yeah. or something Boy, like that? Which sounds like, you. you know, when I was a kid, I, my, my hair was cut by the same barber for, like, I think my first ponytail was cut off by the same barbers. When I was a kid in East Norwich, the barber shop, right on Northern Boulevard on 25A, in the back of the barber shop was the mailboxes. 
Uh, the actual, you know, wow. it's like all of a sudden, hey, did you hear? We're getting a post office. You know, it, was, <laughs> it was a big deal, you know. Everybody goes through this. When your parents pass, you go through their old stuff, their papers that are in the bottom of a closet. And my brother and I went through my dad's papers. And Jackie, we found Confederate war bonds. And, and my father came to New York when he was 12 and had Kentucky roots. And this, okay, this okay. guy passed it to his son, and, and this guy passed, passed it on. It to his son. Uh, they held on to these Confederate war bonds. And for a while, I thought when Trump was president that these bonds would come back and have some value. <laughs> but that didn't work out. My, <laughs> my, there was a <laughs> bunch of papers in a box, like under my father's bed. And who knows what's in there? And after he passed away, there was a letter to my, a couple of letters to my grandmother from Ethel Roosevelt Derby, uh -huh. a letter to my grandmother from Edith Roosevelt. There was the contract to my great-great-grandfather and his brother to put up the first telephone poles between Oyster Bay oh. and East Snow, which, which was written out on yellow legal pad, and then I typed it out, and there were a couple of hustlers you know, trying to make a living, and there, I also have a contract that's literally called a pickle contract. And pickles, it turns out, were a fallback crop, because cucumbers grew no matter what, so if everything else failed, and this thing says how much they're worth, and they, you're gonna be X amount of pickles per barrel, and they take randomly Test them to see if they have nubs. I mean, you can, you read this, and it, it's like a Mad Magazine article, but it's the truth, you know. Oh, and one, and one of the things in there is the deed to Vincent Martling's farm. He was the first guy that came from Staten Island to Snowwich, and his farm is where they wound up building King's Ogs, which was the, the mansion there by the King of Albania, who never lived there. And it's now the, that whole Mutton Town Preserve in East Norwich was my great-great, my great-great-grandfather's farm. And I have the deed, the old yellow, I mean, it, it should be someplace special. And, and it's in a pile of stuff, on, it's a miracle. God knows how much stuff got tossed, you know what I mean? I said to my, my father and, and my mother, I said, how come all our relatives were ministers and teachers. Didn't anybody want to make any money? Couldn't <laughs> couldn't somebody have been a robber baron? I, I say the same. I say, listen, uh, Vincent Marling was in East Norwich in 1850. Couldn't we have, <laughs> couldn't we have saved a little land or put away a few dollars? You know, like Rockland's, Rockland's on the corner of 25A and 106 has been there four generations of my family left their paychecks and problems <laughs> getting drunk, you know, literally, you know. So my, my grandfather was owner, a part owner of a soda company called Parfait back in, in the late, you know, like around the turn of the century, 1900. Parfait, P-A-R-F-A-Y, you can Google it. And the competition was Pepsi and Coca-Cola. And somehow Parfait managed to fail utterly. And, Coke and, the, and other Pepsi, okay. the, the other two did okay. Uh -oh. And it was family lore that my grandfather, I don't know how this is possible, found the secret formula for Coca-Cola in a public library. Now, I have, that's, I'm doubtful about that because they guard that like crazy. But this, this company did start and did compete. And my, my grandfather had no business sense 
they were competing against Coke, and, a, and it was in all the papers. A mouse at the bottling plant got into a Coke bottle. A woman drank it, saw the mouse, passed out, hit her head, was really injured, sued Coca-Cola. It's on the front pages of all the newspapers. And my grandfather said, this is our next ad. Here it is. You will never find a mouse in a parfait bottle. Well, needless to say that. That's just. I mean, he tried. My grandfather tried things, and they failed, and they failed. My, my father remembers being a little kid, and they're out testing in the fog a lamp, a lamp that shines through fog. I invented a lamp that shines through fog. And my father says, I remember my, my father says, I remember my father, my grandfather, going, wait, wait, I can't see anything. <laughs> it didn't work. Jesus. It didn't work, but he, at least he was like, Ralph, like Ralph Cramden, trying to, make, to get rich quick. My father's father was a blacksmith. His father was a blacksmith. And his father, you know, blacksmith, blacksmith, blacksmith. It's not, nobody was really branching out. You know, how about <laughs> we own horse races, too, or something, you know? Uh, you know, and I'll give you one more of my grandfather's failures. He gets a great idea. Uh, and he goes to the board of directors of a big insurance company in early 1920s in, of course, Hartford, the capital of insurance. And he pitches this new idea to the board of directors. Let's get these little booths in airports where flyers can buy insurance for individual flights. And they, you're crazy, get out of here. They laughed them out of the room. And then eight months later, they did it. And that's because when you go pitch an idea, you better have a copyright or a patent. That Otherwise, that's the classic thing. Hey, boss, how about this? And that's then a they do it. Stupid idea. And then they and do it. You know who, what happened? That happened to me. Do you know how that happened to me? No. We were going to Channel Nine, and do we do a show five days a week on the radio? But then we go to Secaucus and put together a TV show, and we had to have an hour show recorded in the can by Friday night. And it was, I can't tell you, I was doing stand-up too, wow. so, okay. you know, so we're killing ourselves. And at the end of the season, even though we were making money, everybody was like not really that excited to get renewed because it was so much work. And I said, why are we going to Secaucus? We got all the show we need right here, Howard. You're there, she's over there, Fred's there, I'm here, Gary's in and out, John's in and out, we got guests. We got more than enough television show right in this room. They made fun of me. You're an idiot. And it was all about <laughs> Jackie doesn't want to do the work of going to Secaucus. It was always Jackie's lazy, Jackie's lazy. And they made, and I'm sure they made fun of me on the air. And you cannot find those tapes. <clears throat> a month later, two months later, we used to get in the, in the limo to go to a screening because Howard couldn't walk on, on the street. So even if we were going to HBO two blocks away, we jam into the limo. So we're sitting in the limo, and this was one of those moments. He said, hey, tomorrow we got a bunch of cameras coming in. We're going to videotape, uh, do a test. And he looked me right in the eye as he said to everybody, you know how I've always wanted to videotape the radio <laughs> show. And I was like, <laughs> and I, I said nothing. All right. It's, nothing. I'm laughing, but that's pretty serious stuff. I mean, if, I if, get if that it. had been, All because right. then after he did it, I missed the thing. They yeah. Put cameras Everybody on did the it. Yeah. Radio, which is not inventing the wheel. It was a no-brainer. I didn't think of it as anything. But yeah. the next, all of a sudden, I was like, 
genius Howard Stern comes up with the concept to put the radio on television, which is, you know, ah. even just a little, you know. But it, but that's you know that's the way. Like you said, you know, you know. Let me turn on my iPhone. Hey, I've got an idea. You know what I mean? Right. So. Right. Use the, if you don't have money, use the poor man's copy, right? Just send yourself certified mail with your idea inside. That's what I used to say when I was trying to be a songwriter. Like, well, if you can't afford $25 to copyright, send yourself it a... It will hold up in court. Just don't open it, you know, <laughs> when it comes to you. Don't open it. Well, I had to open it because I was drunk and forgot, <laughs> I forgot the song, you know. <laughs> Listen, I hate to spoil a good time, but I have no concept. I enjoy you so much and the sound of my own voice. I can't leave that out. Jackie, this has been fun. As my friend Red McCready used to say, as the club sinks slowly into the red. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time. Hey, a new episode of Stand Up Memories every Wednesday. How exciting is that? Starring me, Peter Bales, and right here, Jackie the Joke Man Martin. Please follow us on social media. Search it out. What is it? MeSpace? MySpace? Your space? TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Duda, Duda. <laughs> <laughs>